how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. This episode is brought to you by IronJohnGear.com. In between your creative pursuits, make sure to check out Iron John Gear for top apparel, footwear, fitness items, outdoor supplies, sports gear, and much more. Visit the website for top deals on things like lanterns, backpacks, tents, snow clothing, bomber hats, sunglasses, fishing gear, and more. Visit ironjohngear.com today and save money on your next adventure. In addition to Iron John Gear, make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. The founder tells the story of Ray Kroc, a businessman once described as a chamber of commerce, Gordon Gecko. Played by Michael Keaton, Kroc sluggishly but deliberately breaks bad in an attempt to acquire the McDonald's fast food chain and take for himself a chunk of the American dream. Written by Robert Siegel, the founder has similar underdog themes to his 2008 film The Wrestler and also his breakthrough film Big Fan. Beautifully crafted, the founder follows Croc as he sheds his Willie Loman skin to become a Charles Foster Kane. In doing so, he only needs to crush anyone who gets in his way. We got the chance to speak with Siegel about making your protagonist the antagonist, using research to get into your character's heads, and writing for characters that could be considered outsiders. The founder's origins are... Uh... Uh, a producer, one of our producers, uh, Don Hanfield, um, who works with uh, Jeremy Renner, they're, they're partners in a company called The Combine. He uh, he heard a song. So so Dire Straits was like his '80s rock band, uh, '70s '80s band, and um, and their lead singer Mark Mosler on one of their solo albums had a song uh, called "Boom Like That," which um, very obscure song, obscure obscure album, but. Um, it's it's about uh, it's about Ray Kroc and it's the only I, I presume it's the only song ever written about uh, about Ray Kroc, um, and it's basically the movie in 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 three minutes set to a beat. Um, it's 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 the story of of Ray Kroc, uh, you know, taking McDonald's out from under the you know the brothers, um, and he was just fascinated. He didn't know anything about it. And he thought it was really. Uh, Strange and interesting little little bit of of business history. Um, so he said, you know, this ought to be a movie. Um, and then I guess fast forward some years or months or years, and and you know he went out to writers and um, <clears throat> and I I won the job. 
Um, interestingly, I, I won it, um, I'm, I'm told, uh, for what I thought was a very kind of obvious thing, which is, um, I guess, I guess it was originally conceived as, um, as a biopic, as, as a movie where the brothers were the two main, were the main characters and mm-hmm. Croc was kind of the antagonist, you know, the, the, the villain, which he still sort of is, but I just thought, uh, Ray Croc is the, is the far more interesting character and he ought to be the, the protagonist. He's sort of the protagonist and the antagonist. Um, but I just thought it should be a movie about him, not about these, these two brothers who are great, but they're not, you know, you know, they're not, um, you know, they're, they're not yeah, interesting. They're, forget they're kind, forget of one, kind of one-dimensional in the story. Yeah. So, so, um, so I, I pitched it, you know, in, in the vein of, uh, I, I, I thought it was obviously it was a movie in the vein of, um, you know, the, um, there will be blood or, mm-hmm. uh, the social network, or I guess going all the way back to citizen Kane, you know, these, mm-hmm. you know, great men, these, these, uh, polarizing, complicated, you know, difficult to like men who, you know, change the world in some way. Um, I, I just love those. I'm attracted to those stories. And I just thought this obviously was kind of in the, in the tradition of that. Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton in the interview kind of described Ray Kroc as someone who was kind of a loser and sold and sold his soul to the devil. How would you describe mm-hmm. the character that you created? How do I describe it? That's a that's a pretty good uh that's a pretty good description. I think he's just that classic uh you know, driven I don't know, he you know, I like him and I I I, I like when people are very conflicted about him. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of a winner and a loser. Um you know it this might seem like an odd comparison, but um often when I was writing it I thought of Rodney Dangerfield because mm-hmm. uh Rodney's whole thing was I don't get no respect. That was his catchphrase. And and Rodney Rodney was a struggling stand-up comedian. He was actually I think a salesman before he became a comedian. But he didn't find success. Men who find success or women who find success late in life, I think they have uh, they have a, often they have a certain chip on their shoulder. And Rodney Rodney hit it uh, in the, when he was in his fifties, like Croc. And he always kind of had this like chip on his shoulder edge to him, and felt like he was, you know, just like, just like his catchphrase. He he really felt like he was it was disrespected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Croc is kind of that that same way. He uh, tell me what tell me what Keaton said again. How he described him? Um, I believe he kind of said he was a loser, but the main thing he said was that he sold his soul to the devil, and that really changed him after that. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll I'll go along with Michael Keaton, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's that moment in the movie where uh, I think I think there's a series of subtle turning points. You know, we didn't we didn't want it to be a thing where he immediately switched switched from from good to bad um, because usually when people turn, it's it's a kind of a slow mm-hmm. a slow long you know long term process of, of chipping away at their soul. Um, but, but I think in the movie, the first moment is uh, when um, he's in the restaurant in Minnesota and and, uh, and Joan is trying to, to impress him. You know, he's, no, he's trying to impress Joan, and she asks him, when did you start McDonald's? Right. And, you know, there's, there's a moment where he kind of, 
is is thinking, you know, how do I how do I answer this question? You know, yeah, he, he rephrases right? the question, right? Yeah, and then he mm-hmm. says, uh, "I found that it in I found that it in uh, 1954," um, and that's kind of the moment that that's that's the first of a series of uh, kind of forks in the road where if he goes left, you know, you'll see this guy get worse, and if he goes right, you know, he'll kind of stay on the on the on the straight and narrow. Um, and when he, you know, the, the decision to use powdered milkshakes um, is another one of those. So yeah, I think he probably ultimately did sell his soul to the devil, but but he has no regrets about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he felt like he was doing. If he felt guilty at all, I think he felt like, um, you know, he he had no choice. If you if you're going to win, you know, if you're going to win the, the game of American capitalism, you've got to, you know, be like that. You've got to be something, somewhat of a, a cold, ruthless, you know, asshole. Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, research was involved for the film? Uh, when I first signed on, I was handed a big stack of uh, of, of tra- interview transcripts and all all kinds of archival photos and archival material. Um, the brothers and Croc, um, it was interesting. The way they would correspond back then, they would um, send each other dictaphone recordings. So Croc would, like, speak into a microphone, record it, and then put it in the mail and send it across. I don't really even understand why they did that because uh, you you could just talk on the telephone. Mm-hmm. But they would they would record these monologues and then record and then ship them over to the other. And then um, the Crocs, uh, the the McDonald brothers would then record a response and they just went back and forth like that. So we had these really fascinating, strange recordings of them talking to each other via dictaphone. Um, but mostly I mostly I used the. Uh, the, 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 there were two books that were kind of source material. One was uh, Grinding It Out, which is uh, Ray Kroc's uh, autobiography. And then there was uh, a book called Behind the Arches, which is the sort of, you know, uh, ex, you know unauthorized expose type book. And they were both really, the two of them in combination were really useful because one, you get the truth, and one, you get uh, kind of Kroc's very skewed perspective on what he's doing, which I find is often um, more helpful than, than the truth because you, mm-hmm. you kind of can get inside the guy's head a little bit, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little like in, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever seen the kid stays in the picture. That's that uh, Robert Evans uh, documentary. And the whole thing is told. It's, it's Robert Evans life told through, um, through his own perspective, and it's just full of all this self-aggrandizement and and exaggeration, and you know, and you really, it's all uh, you have. You have no idea what's true and what's exaggeration or 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 outright, you know, uh, lies. But uh, but you get such a sense of the guy, and so in that regard, the the autobiography was probably the most useful. Mm-hmm. In that scene you mentioned earlier with Joan, does he, like after that point, does he start to believe this himself, or is he just, like, is he swept up in it, or is he just lying? Like, how do you kind of see the character after that that shift? Um, I don't think he's a, you know, I, I don't think he really does much um, self-reflection or mm-hmm. self-examination. So I, I think that issue, I think that question doesn't even occur to him. Mm-hmm. I think he's just, he's just a shark, you know, he's just so busy. Um 
you know, searching for prey and hunting and how do I build? How do I get bigger? You know, an animal, an animal isn't, isn't, you know, consumed with, you know, questions of, of, you know, morality and guilt. Right. The, 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 you know, there's, there's no right and wrong in the animal kingdom. It's just, I need to, you know, he even says it in the movie. It's killer. You know, it's ratty rat, doggy dog. He's, he's just trying to get, he's just trying to feed, you know, just trying to eat and get bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I no, I don't, I don't think there's, I, I don't think, I don't think there was a point where he started to self, you know, question his, question himself or, I don't think he was even aware that he ought to be doing that. Right. You know, it was a very clear, he had a clear prime, uh, prime directive to, to eat, you know, to kill, to kill and, and, and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the beginning when he's, he's denied several bank loans and, you know, his friends at the country club won't really support him or they're kind of laugh at him. You kind of see his underdog, and a lot of your other films have an underdog-type character. Is there something that draws yeah. you to that character? Um, there must, there definitely must be, because I, I, I love everything I've ever done. I think is is kind of out, you know. Certainly, The Wrestler and Big Fan. They're 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 on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Um, I just maybe maybe that's how I see myself. I don't know because I think people write what they know, and I must I must see myself as that. Um, but yeah, I, I just love I love outsider outsider kind of characters that maybe society would see as as losers. I just it's it, it would be hard for me to write uh, you know a movie about you know some incredible world conquering winner. Um, and and even my favorite movies are all just you know guys. So in some fashion, who are on the outside looking in, um, um, Saturday Night Fever, I love, and Midnight Cowboy, and Raging Bull, and um, Taxi Driver. Pretty much all of Scorsese's '70s movies are, are about kind of, you know, Taxi Driver and King of not '80s '70s, but King of Comedy, um, and uh, uh, Mean Streets. You know, they're, they're all movies about guys who are trying to get in to something, or you know, and and just are, are struggling to to get get through to the other side. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know why. That's just every. I think every writer just has a thing, you know. And that's mm-hmm. um, for me. That's my thing. Mm-hmm. I read an interview with you. You had been with Taste um, a while back, and you had talked about. You know, when you first started writing scripts, you felt like you were, you know, writing like other writers you knew. I think you mentioned Judd Apatow yeah. before finding your voice. Was there anything yeah. other than just experience that helped you develop the voice you have today? Uh, no, it was just, I mean, I was, as I probably said in that interview, it was, it was just trial and error. I had come from a comedy background. Uh, I, was, I was with The Onion. I was the editor-in-chief of The Onion for years. Um, and when I started getting interested in screenwriting, I guess I just, I just assumed that, that I was a comedy writer, so I should write, um, I should write comedies. Um, and I, and I was doing it in a very kind of mechanical, uninspired way. I would look at other comedies and look at what's, you know, look at what's popular, what's, 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 what's big at the box office and just kind of try to replicate those. Um, and I wound up writing just a series of very kind of uninspired 
facsimiles of, of of movies that were that were big at the time. You know, it was kind of the the Apatow, Todd Phillips era. You know, so pretty much any movie starring, you know, Ben Stiller, Will Ferrell, or Jack Black. Mm-hmm. Um, those those types of movies, and I just wasn't. I was okay. I mean, I was writing stuff that was good enough to get read and maybe even passed along from the from the bottom level reader, script reader at the studio to, to the next guy up. But none of them really were exciting or fresh. And then I just, I just uh, rather than writing my new, you know, I guess I was taking the write with no approach. Uh, I guess I, 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 I was probably defining write what you know as write what you've been doing, which is comedy. Um, and then I just tried, uh, almost, as an ex- almost as an intellectual exercise, I said, well, let me try writing. I was also aiming to write things that I thought were big and would sell, and as opposed to, well, I don't want to write uh, some tiny little indie movie, and nobody's going to want to make it. Um, I just stopped thinking about all that, and I just wrote what excited me, and wrote what I loved. Um, and what I loved were just kind of dark uh, dark character studies, you know, really? kind of dark intimate character studies. And the, the breakthrough one was was Big Fan. That was the first thing I ever wrote that was a shift, a very deliberate, clear shift from, you know, my attempts to write the next uh, old school or Zoolander um, for, you know, for touchstone movies at the time. Um, and then I wrote Big Fan, which is, you know, very uncommercial and, and, uh, and dark and just didn't seem like the kind of thing that gets made. But but I but it, but it, I wrote something good. It, it turned out to be a good script, and that, and that was the movie that kind of became my calling card for years. It didn't get made until probably you know, five or six or seven years later. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, but that script uh, got me work, and it kind of was what got my career you know, got the ball rolling for me. Um, and then off of that, I got, um, off of that, I got The Wrestler, um, because obviously I guess a uh, big fan is this movie about this, you know, the character studies set in kind of the dark underbelly of sports, uh, which is a very specific thing, and, and The Wrestler is, could be described as the same thing. Um so I just stopped thinking about, you know, when I when I finally stopped thinking about what what I should be writing or what sells, I finally wrote. I finally was able to write something good, mm-hmm. um, and then that led to, you know, and that, that's kind of been my my guiding uh, guiding principle ever ever since. It's write what excites you and write what you love. Um, write what you know is still obviously a true, but I really write what you love. What do you find to be the most difficult step in the writing process? Structure. Structure and plot. Um, I, I think every writer has their strengths and weaknesses, and I definitely um, I'm always mystified when I find you know, when I meet another writer and I find that they struggle with character and dialogue and they just, all they want to do is uh, you know, put index cards on the wall and shuffle scenes around and, you know, and figure out how to make everything kind of link up. That, to me, it's, I hate, I hate that and I, and I suck at it and it's it's incredibly painful. Um, 
I just want to get past that and get to like creating character. Um, and often, um, you know, I'll do I'll do rewrite work sometimes, and you know, I'll have that I'll have a phone call with the producer who says we've got this script that needs a rewrite, and you know, the structure's great, it's really well, uh, you know, it's well mapped out, and it's just it, the characters just aren't alive, and I it's it's like literally confusing to me, like what? So this writer did the hard part. And that's the easy part, you know, but for other people, it's totally the other way around. You know, they're just people who are really good at at structure. Um, So every, you know, uh, what what comes easy to one person can be be like the bane of someone else's existence. Um, So I I just can't, and that's part of the reality of, of being a screenwriter today is you have to outline like you literally aren't even allowed to start writing. You know, typically in a lot of um, paid writing situations, um, they won't even commence you on. They won't even let you proceed to the first draft without uh, without an airtight outline. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just it, 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 I just want to skip that and just start you know opening. I just want to open up a final draft document and start playing. Um, and they're not wrong. I mean, I think. I think you do need that one, um, but um, man, I just, I just, I just hate it. <laughs> Have any of your beliefs or techniques as a writer changed since Big Fan was sold or written? No, I mean it's still the same. I mean the lessons that I learned from that are still the lessons uh, that apply today. You know, trust, trust your gut. Write what you know. Write what you love. Um, be yourself, uh, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, what do you think is that's learning anything in the way? Um, I've learned a lot of things about how to deal with, how to handle studio notes and how to deal with people, but the, the fundamental stuff I think was, has not changed. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.